0: Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast, I'm David. And
1: I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator, so you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion.
0: And anything else that might get us canceled.
1: Hi everybody, thanks for joining us again on Church and State. Today's episode, number 13, we're going to talk about do we live in a democracy or a republic? And we have here today, Mr. Delacruz, a history teacher, a civics teacher, and uh, one of his favorite topics to to instruct his students on.
0: It's true. We- I haven't been called Mr. Delacruz, though, for a long time, but it definitely was one of my favorite classes. Yeah, I remember the joy that I would have when we get to the chapter about the Constitution. <laughs> and... Uh, Having them memorize the Bill of Rights and some of these uh, amendments to the Constitution. That was a lot of fun. And then walking them through, you know, how a bill passes through Congress and mm-hmm. the branches of government, all that. That was a lot of fun.
1: I still know some of your students and they still talk about Mr. Delacruz's civics class. <laughs> and uh, I think it, you, I mean, one you of did them great. is working
0: at the State House. Yes. Uh, we ran into, and that yeah. was really cool. That was really rewarding to see that. I know.
1: I saw she worked in the policy office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So David, you, you made a difference.
0: Hey, all right. Come on, I did teachers
1: it. are like superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so David, Mr. Delacruz, tell us, do we live in a democracy or a republic?
0: Well, any of my students should remember the answer to this. And uh, without a doubt, America is a, is a republic. I know that that might be jarring for a lot of people to hear because we hear about America as a democracy and preserving democracy and... And, um and, and and the protector of democracy but we really are a republic and there is a difference between the two it might be subtle and I do think today these terms have kind of been wedded together mm-hmm. and most people will just refer to America and and the in the states Rhode Island for example just as a, as democracies mm-hmm. and, and we want to preserve democratic ideals and, and all that but there is a di- difference and maybe it's subtle to some people but I feel like uh, if if we're if we want to be faithful to the way that the founding fathers uh, established this country, and I think that it is important to uh, to remember what their what the system was that they set up, uh, there is a difference. So a democracy very quickly implies that there's more direct rule by the people. Of course, I'm not talking about a direct democracy, but just a, a democracy in general implies that that uh, people are going to be voting on issues almost uh, you know, individually, some of these issues, mm-hmm. and they're voting on certain bills or certain laws uh, individually. But a republic says that uh, we're not going to have the people that closely and directly involved in policy and in governance. Instead, we want to set it up so that there are people, elected people, who will represent us at the state level or the federal level, or even the local level. And we entrust, uh, the, uh, the governance into their care, into their stewardship. So you are a state Senator and you of course would be representing your district and, and your people.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah. the idea
0: isn't to, that we're voting on every single issue, but instead we're picking people.
1: Right. Right. The word democracy isn't found anywhere in the U S constitution. Right, or That's the Declaration right. or, of Independence, no, or and, the Articles of Confederation. Right.
0: But over and over again, we are referred to as a republic. Mm-hmm. The Founding Fathers, when they thought of a democracy, uh, they thought of words like demagogue, <laughs> or uh, maybe not demon, but uh, they, they definitely had these these uh, nasty notions of of a democracy, because in their time and in the years leading up to the founding of America, uh, democracies were were usually failures they, they it was when mobs would get together large groups of people would get together and it was sort of like the people just ruled the uh, ruled society but there wasn't a strong sense of law and order there wasn't a strong sense of restraint and uh, that's why they they didn't want to go down that road They they saw what that led, and they saw what that produced and it usually uh was like a fire it, it would it would burn brightly and burn hot but it would burn out quickly mm. they wanted to set up a system that would last for generations and a republic more specifically if you want to be even more accurate we would say a, a a constitutional republic yeah where these elected officials wouldn't just be trusted to do the right thing but they would be restrained by law and order and the supreme law of the land would be the u.s constitution
1: right so our founding fathers had a lot to say about that, and I remember reading somewhere uh, Thomas Jefferson, where he said that democracy is uh, nothing more than mob rule, where 51% of the people can take away the rights of the other 49. Right, and I mean, there's more. I mean, I mean what, Alexander Hamilton. Alexander
0: Hamilton. I, he, of course, that he's now famous again. Um, Alexander I Hamilton. <laughs> I grew up appreciating Alexander Hamilton, knowing that he did a lot. And I remember during the Obama administration, there was talk about taking him off of the $20 bill and putting on someone else. Uh, Harry Lin Emanuel, he
1: single-handedly S- I have to saved admit, Alexander Lin Hamilton.
0: Lin Emanuel, sing- talk about a man who made a difference. <laughs> he single-handedly preserved uh, Alexander Hamilton's legacy, at least among you know the pop culture mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, and the general public. So Alexander Hamilton, though, to your point, he did have some uh, some words to say about the Republican democracy, as did many of the founding fathers. But Alexander Hamilton said, we are now forming a Republican form of government. By the way, when he said Republican, that did not mean political parties.
1: I don't know, David. They I'm did... just saying, maybe he knew. <laughs> yeah.
0: They did not anticipate political parties. They actually thought that Maybe there would be factions. I think the Federalist Papers kind of talked about these factions would start to develop, but they didn't anticipate full-blown political parties. But of course, you know, humans are tribal, and we just start, you know, looking for people who are like-minded and who we can start building bridges with, and then you know, target our enemies. And there was a lot of that back then.
1: Yeah. So what did he say? All
0: right. Sorry about that. No, so it's he,
1: okay. We keep going on rabbit trails, but they're good ones. Uh,
0: Alexander Hamilton. He said, "We are now forming a republican form of government." Real liberty is not found in the extremes of democracy, but in moderate governments. If we incline too much to democracy, we shall soon shoot into a monarchy or some other form of dictatorship.
1: And, um, and where have we seen this?
0: Well, We do see this throughout history. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Alexander Hamilton wasn't just very wise and, and learned, but it was almost prophetic the way that he talked about um, how it, whenever you give up too much power, direct rule to the people, um, you, you, you are um, surrendering uh, society, you're surrendering law and order even to the passions of, uh, of the mob. Mm-hmm. And he cautioned about, against that. And of course, in um, in history, we do see many nations uh, that, that went down this road, road of uh, of uh, not just embracing democracy, democracy, the way you and I may understand it today is is fine. But when you give up too much power to people, um, society does start to get uh, uh, unstable and whether we're talking about my father's homeland of the Philippines or Germany um, just prior to world war II, or Chile or many other countries um, uh, you do start to see these countries start to go down a, a terrible path
1: where I heard some uh, I think it was you or someone else that said you end up surrendering to bullets rather than rather than ballots
0: right right and it, when we start to think about what the majority wants rather than what does the constitution allow or what does uh, what do our laws and what will promote order and stability in society. When we just start thinking about the majority, that's when uh, we can degenerate into mob rule. And again, the founding fathers were very aware of this and didn't want uh, America, these United States to go down that road.
1: Right, so back to the point where we elect officials to govern and lead, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether it be president, but really we're talking about the state of Rhode Island here. So um, we're supposed to pick people that represent us and people who live, you know, so if you vote for me, you live in my Senate district, you're voting for me. Um, My first loyalty is not to the whole state, but to my constituency. Right. And because those are the people that I represent. Right. Um,
0: But even that loyalty... Uh, to the constitutional republican form of government that we have, even that loyalty to your constituents is still restrained by the limitations of the state constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, in your case, and if, it were, if we were talking about senator, one of the U.S. senators, they would be restrained by the by the um, U.S. Constitution. So you are still representing your constituents. How many? Is it again? Twenty eight thousand, okay, I think. Like Some, this, yeah. Like uh, and then, of course, the in the House of Representatives in Rhode Island, it's half that, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, that's why, like, especially on important votes like the Second Amendment and pro-life legislation, I wait. I vote the way that my district wants me to vote, and I literally receive hundreds of emails on this topic, mm-hmm. uh, on the topics, and a lot of times they're from Barrington or somewhere on the east side but I'm not elected to represent them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this may sound harsh to some people, but those emails don't have an impact on how I vote and they oftentimes end up in the trash bin.
0: Yeah. You, you would delete them. Right. And, and that's the way that our system is supposed to function. It's not, you know, someone in Barrington, God bless Barrington, love Barrington. We were neighbors with Barrington for a long time, long time. We lived in Riverside, but we, we don't, um, our system is not set up so that people in Barrington would contact right. you, even though that happens a lot, and that that yeah. that really bothers me because it shows either um, I I don't want to be too a hard lack to... of understanding. Yeah, I don't. Thank you. That that's a nice, <laughs> a nice way, way of saying it. I was going to say ignorance, but <laughs> that's a much nicer way.
1: But you said it anyway.
0: Uh, but I I said I didn't. No, you no, no, you okay. said a much nicer way. That's okay. Way. I... <laughs> So, But it does show a lack of understanding of how our system works, or it's a deliberate attempt. They know who their senator or their rep is, but they want to influence someone in another part of the mm-hmm. state who isn't their senator or rep. And why that bothers me is it, um, it muddies the water and almost takes away the voice of the people who live in your district, for example. So if someone in your district isn't contacting you, or maybe they are, it's disproportionately giving you the impression that your district cares about this issue, you know, one way or the other, when in reality, you know, maybe it's something that just people in Barrington care about. And again, well, And a lot of times Barrington.
1: that's actually the case because my district is very clear where they stand on these issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've actually written back, do a little like... Uh, so
0: you do write them back?
1: Well... I, have, I don't want to call it a canned response, but I have a response saying, thank you for reaching out. However, I am not your senator. To find your senator, click on this link. And sometimes I get a, a emails back saying, I know you're not my senator, but I want to let you know where I stand on this issue because X, Y, Z. And you know, I've actually had one person say, I pay your salary. So I want you to know what I what I believe. And Again, but again, I,
0: this was someone that didn't live in your district, did
1: not live in yeah. my district. So, and it, so it has no bearing on you. They're not, not going to vote no. for you.
0: Your name doesn't show up on exactly. their ballot. There's no need for them to be contacting you.
1: Right. And so um, that I want my constituents to know that I answer their emails first. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so important when you do email your your legislators, just let them know where you live. Right. You know, so they say, OK, this is my constituent. I got to call them back.
0: All right, There are only a handful of state-level elected officials that should be contacted by people from across the state. And it wouldn't be their state senator or their state rep. It would be...
1: Well, you're the Senate President and the House Speaker, right. because if they're a lot of times they're going to decide if this legislation comes out of committee. Mm-hmm. So it's important to let leadership know, or members of um, the the head of judiciary, or the the head of uh, legis- um, not legislative um, uh, House uh, Senate and House Oversight. Mm-hmm. Those individuals, I would say, include in on an email if you're concerned about whatever topic, right. but. If you're contacting every senator in the Rhode Island Senate on a topic you care about, all
0: thirty eight of them. Don't do that. Yeah, that's that's not how our system works. Right. Every person should be contacting one senator and one representative, and it would be their own. Right. Um, if they wanted to go beyond that, I would say obviously the governor. Secretary sure. of State, Lieutenant Governor, you know, depending
1: on what it is. Yeah.
0: Attorney General, maybe those are the four people that would be contacted beyond their own state senator, state rep, and maybe the Senate President or the uh, Speaker of the House.
1: Right. You, there are, like I said, there are instances in which you should uh, contact mm-hmm. the Senate President or the House Speaker. And, but if you're voicing your opinion on a piece of legislation to an elected official because you want your elected official to vote a certain way then you should not be contacting, you know, if, if you live in East Providence, you should not be contacting the Senator in Burrillville.
0: And what advice would you give to someone? So if they've never contacted their state Senator or their state rep before, and um, they, they've they never picked up the phone, never emailed them, first of all, would you recommend a phone call or an email?
1: Either one.
0: Either one. Yeah, because whichever in your one you case, feel most comfortable with. In your case, you you check both. Yes. What about contacting them on Facebook or Twitter?
1: Um, I do as well. Um, Not really Twitter. No, I don't. Um, But Facebook, some legislators have uh, emails. You can just message them there. You might get a response like, please email or call because, um, you know, they...
0: Their social media accounts may not be checked as frequently. Exactly. You just don't know. Some lawmakers don't have a Facebook. Many don't have Twitter. Yeah. So the... um...
1: So the most reliable is going to be email or phone call. And as you said... It's very simple, super simple. You visit the Secretary of State's website, which we'll add an, in this episode um, in the description, mm-hmm. and you can um, just type in your address, and the list will populate. It will give you your U.S. representatives, and so your U.S. senator and 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 yep. uh, I will
0: tell you who who the governor is if you don't know who the governor is, lieutenant governor, right.
1: everybody, and then it will also list who your state and state senators and your state representative.
0: Yeah. So that's a good place to start, and um, it, you know we know that many of our listeners are Christians, they're believers. I'd say be praying for them too. Um, the Bible commands us in Romans to to pray for those uh, in authority who are leading us, governing us. Pray that we would live peaceful lives uh, with them and and be good citizens. But pray for them, pray for their safety, pray for wisdom for them, um, and uh, and. It, it really is as easy as going to the Secretary of State's website. Like you said, you're just putting in your address. Uh, you don't have to put any personal information in there. And uh, the whole list will populate. You'll see, see them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing is if once you find that, um, uh, find out who your state senator and state rep is, we'll put another link in there to the Rhode Island General Assembly's website. And that's where you'll see a full list of all of the state senators, all of the state representatives, and you'll be able to look for yours. And there's a phone number and an email address so that you'll be able to contact them, leave a message with them. Again, if there's any legislation that's important to you, or there's an idea that you have, or there's potholes in your uh, on the street uh, in front of, well, it wouldn't be a street unless it's a, a state highway, right?
1: You know what? Gold star right there, because I was just looking at you like, <laughs> we're getting into town government now, because there's state roads and town roads, yeah. and then you have to know which one it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've had people contact you and say, there's too much poison ivy growing on my sidewalk. Yeah. Can you take care of that? Yeah. <laughs> And of course it wasn't, you know, it, it was probably private property, but even then it was maybe a, a, a town issue, but it certainly wasn't a, a state issue. Yeah. You get asked about all kinds of stuff.
1: I do, but and I it, love helping people. So I direct do. them in the right direction. What
0: are some of the most common things that people contact you about?
1: Well, because of COVID, there was a lot of uh, unemployment mm-hmm. issues. And so I help with that. Um, and sometimes, uh, there's, I actually have had uh, individuals reach out because they want to be a Senate page or, mm-hmm. and that's like for young people, if you're in high school and you want to serve in, in the Senate, get a, like a first, like an internship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like an internship where you get to see firsthand how government works. That's and, a
0: great experience. When yeah. is that in the summer or after school? No, it's
1: during session. Wow. Yeah.
0: They can't do it this year, but maybe in no, the future. No, because COVID.
1: Yeah. Oh. So so if you know
0: of any, uh, what is it, seventeen, eighteen, sixteen-year-olds yeah. that want to do it?
1: Yeah, High juniors, school. even sophomores. So I, I, I don't know if they take freshmen or not, but you know, it's something to find out. But um, anyway, so people reach out about anything and everything. Yeah. Yep. And if I, um, you know, if it is a town issue, then I have town counselors, emails and phones and I usually, you know, assist them that way, but, yeah. um, I know yeah.
0: you, you did get a lot of questions about the vaccine. Like, uh, mm-hmm. where can I do it? Uh, it seems to be taking me a long time. I haven't yeah. been asked yet. I, I really want to, Right. so I remember a lot of vaccination things, unemployment was one, uh, people complaining about state highways, you know, that they live near or live, go to work, uh, uh, go to work for. And then second amendment, you get questions about that quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Especially, you know, because it's a perennial issue and it comes up, uh, usually in April, mm-hmm. um, that's a very big issue for sure. Cool. But, um, I'm so, so happy to represent my district because, you know, I feel like
0: you're perfect for, for that. I fit the, right in, yeah. you know, that
1: yeah. their, their, their values and ideals line up with mine. So. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, Yep. Um, well, I, uh, I think that wraps up this episode. I would just encourage you to contact your state senator, state rep. If you have any questions, if you want to um, if you if you've been complaining about the state or the direction of the state, this is a good first step before you continue complaining. Um, contact them, let them know where you stand on the issues. If you have more um, if you're hoping for more conservative legislation or you don't like a certain bill, Uh, Or you you just want to even learn who they are and where they stand on some of these issues, so you'll know how to vote in the future. Contact them, let them know. I know many of them would be happy to happy to talk to you. All right, guys. Stick around
1: for the closing quote.
0: Today's closing quote comes from our second president and founding father, John Adams. He said, "Liberty cannot be preserved without general knowledge among the people."
1: Thanks again for listening.
0: And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes.
1: And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.